it's okay. The, uh, the passage will be up on the screen. Um, I like to read from the ESV, but whatever version you have is fine. Um, but let's read, or I'll be reading uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, the first 10 verses, verses 1 to 10. This is what it says. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He, was, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also, he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I have a confession to make. Those of you who are joining us here at Trinity for the first time, uh, the pastor often confesses his sin before the church, so just so you know, that's the kind of church we are. Uh, but I have something I want to confess to you this, uh, this morning. So Tim and I, we were up at the EMCC pastor's retreat uh, this past week. Uh, it was from Monday to Wednesday. Uh, just an f- amazing time. It happens once a year in October, at the beginning of October. And it's great to see uh, all these pastors from really all over Ontario come. And so uh, I got to chat with uh, Pastor Gerald from Lionshead. Uh, I said that Larry and Lorraine say hi. And so, yeah, I got to see him, right? And I saw other pastors from uh, all across Ontario, and it's great. And so we go up to Stainer Bible Campground, and uh, basically, just the pastors are there during uh, Monday to Wednesday of this past week. And so we were there. Now, I was walking through the parking lot, right? And I, I'm seeing all these cars, and they're all pastors' cars. And so, you know, when you go to a place where just pastors are, you're going to see in a parking lot, like a, you know, a specific range of car, okay? Price range, I'm talking about, okay? You're going to see, I'm, anyway... Some might be newer, some might be a little older, but it's generally within this range. Well, there was this one vehicle that stood out, and it was a luxurious vehicle, very nice. I won't say what it is, because I don't want, it, you know, if, if anyone of you drives this vehicle, I don't want you to feel bad, okay? It's not a sin to own nice things, I'm just saying. But, you know, this, there's only pastors at this retreat, and there's this very expensive vehicle there. And immediately my heart was just like, whoa. I mean, whoever, whoever's got that car must be preaching the prosperity gospel. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoa. <laughs> wow. And uh, a couple of other pastors, we were ch- kind of joking around saying, you know, oh, that's a carcinage, right? You know what a parsonage is? A parsonage is a house that the church owns and the pastor lives in the house. Well, well this church gives a carcinage, right? And so, wow, right? And so we were kind of chuckling and... and uh, you know, I just, after coming back from this retreat, I just came under conviction. 
uh, of my heart. And this is, this is the part I want to confess to you, is this, is that I, you know, immediately, the, immediate, the first thing that came to my mind was judgment. I, I just, just like that. Judgment. And, and as I, it was as I was driving, I, I was pondering this, and I believe the Lord was bringing it to my mind. I felt, yeah, just a conviction of saying, you know, where was your heart when you made that comment and chuckled? What, where was your heart? And uh, I was like, okay, Lord, you know, uh, I need your wisdom. And as I was pondering uh, this whole thing, this sermon came to my mind. And so my talk to you this morning is out of a revelation that the Lord showed me at this pastor's retreat. Now, if you've heard me speak for the last few years, most of you have, um, I'm sure you, have, you would have heard me mention the prosperity gospel or the prosperity teaching and you would have definitely heard a disdain in my voice towards it. Uh, I am quite strongly opposed to it, not only because it's a destructive teaching. I mean, there's, there's truths to it, but it's, they're half-truths. Um, so it, it can be destructive, um, but also because I personally have been affected by it. Um, for those of you who may not know what I'm talking about, prosperity preaching, basically it's this teaching that's in in the body of Christ that says, listen, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be rich. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you. Okay, that's, that's kind of what they're saying. You need to have faith. And, and, and by giving, you're releasing your faith. And so if you give, you're going to receive. If you give, if you sow, you're going to reap. Okay, and so that's basically the teaching. Now, there's some truth in that, but they're half-truths. And, and really, there's a, there's a range of where the prosperity teaching goes. On the one end, the one extreme is that God absolutely wants you to be rich, that poverty is not God's will, and that you need to exercise your faith to obtain wealth. So that's on one extreme. The other side, it's, it's kind of a light version where it says God just wants you to you know, have a happy life. And you know, when, when bad things happen, that's, that's not, you know, you, you're, it's because of a lack of faith, and you need to have faith in God because you shouldn't be suffering. And so, I mean, those are, again, like, very, it can be very destructive. And so I do have a disdain towards this teaching. Um, but also because I've been negatively affected by it, okay? This teaching that God will bless you if you give. Now, as a brand new believer, this was very attractive to me, right? I, I would watch TV and see these televangelists. I mean, they're rolling in, in ways and driving nice cars, multi-million dollar houses, flying airplanes. And I'm like, whoa, really? If you preach the gospel, you can get a plane? That's awesome. Right? That's what I thought. I really, really did think that. And so, and I hear these teachers saying, listen, if you sow a seed, you're going to reap a harvest. In other words, if you give me money, God will give you money. And I was like, that's a good deal. That's a very good deal. Especially because, you know, I was in university at the time living off student loans, working part-time, you know, barely making ends meet. But man, if, if I give and God gives me a Bentley, man, that's awesome, right? So I was like, yes. So I sent some money to this televangelist. Again, I won't name names, but, you know, I sent some money, you know, hoping that I would receive money. And uh, sure enough, a month later, another letter came, send more money. Oh, okay. And another letter came, send more money. And then another letter, send more money. 
And then things got weird. I received a letter, and in it was this shoe print, like an like outline of a shoe. And it was this televangelist's shoe print, and it said for me to put my foot on it. And, uh, you know, if I do that for seven days, uh, the anointing that's upon this preacher will come on to me. And then after seven days, if I send $77, then I'll get the blessing. And that's when I woke up and I said, no way, no way. That's just crazy. That's crazy talk. And so I just, I stopped sending money and I still got the letters, but eventually I think they got, they got the message. I'm not going to reply. So they just stopped sending it all together. And so that, that kind of thing, I, I've, I've been a victim to it. I mean, I took the, I took the teaching hook, line and sinker, right? That God will bless me if I give. Now, God has blessed me, yes. But I realized something through this whole, uh, that, that whole time, I realized something, that my giving was so that I can receive. That was the motive behind my giving. I give so that I can get. That was the motive behind the giving. And that's what prosperity preaching can create in the church. And I don't think that is the right motive. Now, the scriptures do say, if you give, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together. Yes, yes, it's true. There is a principle. But the motive is the most important thing. And so I realized that I was giving so that I would receive. Then, because of this whole shoe print fiasco, um, I swung to the other end of the pendulum. I don't want to give at all. You know, I, I don't want to give at all. And so at the time I, I was attending this church, when the offering plate would go by, it's like, man, I don't want to give. And when the plate goes by, it's like, oh man, I don't want to look like I'm cheap, you know, just letting it pass by. I'll just put in whatever. You know, I gave reluctantly, out of compulsion. That's the other extreme. Both are not how God wants us to be givers. I wonder if any of you have had similar experiences as I have when it comes to giving. There is a better road. There is a better road. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10 is a powerful picture of the type of giving that God is looking for, that God desires. Just prior to Luke 19, in Luke chapter 18, okay, one chapter before, Jesus meets this rich young ruler. He was extremely rich. He was incredibly rich. The Bible says he was very rich. Okay? So he had a multi-million dollar investment portfolio. Okay? He owned shares in Apple, Netflix, gold. Okay? Very rich, very, very rich. And Jesus is having a conversation with this guy and he's saying, hey, the, 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 the rich young ruler says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says to him, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Wow. Wow. Jesus wasn't giving a prescription for everyone of how we enter the kingdom of God. In other words, he wasn't saying, listen, all of you, 
You're going to have to sell everything you have and you're going to give to the poor and then you, can come in, you, then you can come into my kingdom. No, he wasn't saying that. Jesus was exposing the heart of the rich young ruler. He's famous at doing that. Jesus is famous at doing that. Right? With Nicodemus, that was... Nicodemus is like, hey, you're a good teacher, man. And you would expect him to say, Jesus to say, thanks, man. Right? But the first thing he says is, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. What? It just it exposes the heart. Jesus exposes hearts. That's why he says things. Very intentional. So that's what he did with this rich young ruler. And guess what? Sure enough, he is sad by what Jesus says and he walks away. Then Jesus says this, verse 24, Luke 18. How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's one of these verses, that, one of these things that Jesus says that we need to be like, wow, we, we, we can't just, you know, hide that away. We've got to take that and say, Jesus, what do you mean? What are you saying? What is he saying to us? Well, what he's saying is that wealth, money, can be a stumbling block for people. It really can be. Money can actually rob people from inheriting God's kingdom and, for, and, and, and halt people from entering into eternity with him. It can be dangerous. In fact, Jesus says it's virtually impossible. But you know, this is what I love about Jesus. He makes the impossible possible. Right after Luke chapter 18 is Luke chapter 19. And it's the story of Zacchaeus, a rich guy named Zacchaeus. He's rich. But here's the thing with Zacchaeus. Not only is he rich, he got rich by scamming people. He was a glorified thief, a tax collector, a chief tax collector. He scammed people. Do you know how blinded by money you need to be in order to scam people out of money? People are nothing. Money is everything for people like this. Money isn't just an obsession for people like Zacchaeus. Money is God to them. Totally blinding. But Jesus did something and it broke that in Zacchaeus. Powerful. Zacchaeus, being a shorter guy, climbs up in a tree because he really wanted to see Jesus. Jesus points about Zacchaeus, I'm going to your place tonight. And that encounter with Jesus changed everything. Something broke inside Zacchaeus. Scales fell. Suddenly, one encounter with Jesus, and he's giving his money away. Gladly. Up to four times of what I scammed other people. I'm going to give back to them, Jesus. And he is joyfully, cheerfully giving. His heart was filled with thankfulness because of Jesus. Zacchaeus 
became a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, looking back at when I was at the retreat, like the conviction of God that came over me, the conviction that he placed in me was God blesses us. Okay? Some God blesses with wealth and with materials. Sometimes it comes that way. Yes, it can be a stumbling block in many ways, but in some ways, that's how God blesses us. Ali and I are blessed with what we have. I'm so thankful. We have a vehicle. We've got two vehicles. Thank you, Lord. We've been blessed. God also blesses us spiritually, deeply, internally setting us free. Both are from God. Both are found in the Bible. You see, in the Old Testament, the sign of God's blessing often was prosperity. And so when you hear prosperity preachers quoting anything, it's usually from the Old Testament because it was often the sign of God's blessing. Why do you think that is? Here's the reason. Only God can make a lowly people prosperous. Israel had nothing. They were slaves in Egypt. Only God can take them out, pluck them out, bless them materially. What happens? God gets the glory. Look what God did. It wasn't our armies. It wasn't our economic understanding of however they did trade back in those days. It wasn't that. It was God. God did this. God gets the glory. That's what it was about. That's what it's all about. God's glory. Abraham was blessed. He acquired a lot of wealth. King Solomon was blessed. He acquired a lot of wealth. Why? Because it shows that the God of Israel is God and there is no other. Now in the Old Testament, it's different. Or sorry, in the New Testament, it's a bit different. In the New Testament, God blesses us in our suffering. In suffering. Paul wrote this in his time of great suffering. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. The word honored there, uh, the Greek word megalu, it means to be seen as great. I want Christ to be seen as great in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In his state of suffering, Paul writes that to live is Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. And to die is to be with Jesus. Again, it's all about Him. So a person who is all about Jesus lives a life of cheerful giving. Whether in plenty or not plenty. There is a heart of gratitude. And that is the essence of cheerful giving. 
cheerfully giving of time, your skills, your gifts, your money, giving. Why? Because I'm so thankful to God for what He's done in the good times, in the not so good times. God gets all the glory. God shines when I'm going through hardship. God shines when I'm on the mountaintop. God shines brightly. And because of that, I give cheerfully. Whether one is blessed abundantly through materials or blessed abundantly through spiritual understanding and intimacy with God, the heart is always the same. Thankful. Full of thanks. Thankfulness is the root of cheerful giving. Giving should not be done so that you may receive. Giving should not be done so that you feel compelled or you know, you're under compulsion to give. It shouldn't be done that way. Giving is done out of an overflow of a thankful heart. So Trinity is a church of thankful people by which we are made into cheerful givers. So on this Thanksgiving Sunday, let us reflect again back on those things that we wrote down. The things that God has done in our lives, it proves that God is faithful and just. He is with us. Through whatever we go through in life, God is with us. And so let us reflect on those things. So I'm going to take a moment again. Perhaps something new came to your mind. But before we go there, I, I do have another journal that I want to give away. Uh, the first person who could tell me how long it takes to cook a 17-pound turkey. Okay. Sounds good to me. So let's just take a moment once again. Yes, we'll, ta- we'll chat after because I need some help. <clears throat> All right. I could YouTube it too, but anyway, yes, thank you. Thank the Lord for YouTube, man. All right. So again, let's just uh, take, take just a moment to reflect. And then um, so let's just take a moment. We won't pray out loud. Let's just pray within our hearts. This is things that you've written down. Um, let's just take a moment to give thanks to God for the things that He's shown you. And then afterwards, there's a, just a list of things on the screen there that we want to give thanks to God for today. And so let's just go through that um, at this time.
that you've brought to our hearts, we place before you, give back to you, honor and exalt you for all that you have been doing and are continuing to do in our lives. Father, we pray that you would continue to manifest your presence in us, that we would continually be changed and transformed by your love that endures forever. We give thanks to you, Lord, for your steadfast love, your faithful love endures for all time. Bless us this day, God, as we go and spend time with our families. We pray that you would continue to move and work in amongst our families, Lord. Just give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful rest of the holiday.